It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Daily Record Celtic Podcast. I'm your host Stuart Hodge and I'm joined by Graham Young and Liam Bryce for today's episode. Hello gents and thanks for joining us on what unfortunately has been one of the saddest weeks in recent memory for Hoops fans across the globe as the club lost two Lisbon Lions within the last week in Billy McNeil and Stevie Chalmers. One man scored the goal which won the European Cup in 1967 and the other climbed atop the pedestal in the Estadio Nacional to lift the trophy itself. Both men were part of the club's greatest ever team and their mark in the history of Celtic Football Club will never fade. It's a massive legacy and an achievement which I don't think is ever going to be surpassed. Our heartfelt condolences, of course, to the family and friends of both men and the Celtic family the world over has united in grief over two of its greatest sons. Gentlemen, the death of two such giants makes for a very sombre mood around Celtic Park right now, even though the club is still on course for the treble treble, of course. Just describe for me how, how big a mark these two men have made, not just in Celtic, but in the history of Scottish football in general. I think, lovely words there to start with, Stuart, I, th- I think for guys like Billy McNeil, Stevie Chalmers, every club's got legends, but Celtic have got extra special legends. Guys who mm-hmm. created history, uh, the first British team to ever win the European Cup. All these guys were born uh, near Celtic Park within a 20 mile radius, and that really resonates with supporters. Uh, the type of guy. And both of them are, by all accounts, just stand up guys who really. Uh, both of them are stand up guys who really stood for what Celtic believed in. Uh, exactly. There's something really special about them. Billy McNeil was a legendary captain, uh, then became a manager as well. The stories over the last week have been incredible. It's a man who touched a lot of people, really uh, made his mark on the club and uh, everyone uh, that follows him. And Stevie Chalmers, what an incredible guy. Uh, was able to survive tuberculosis when he was only 20 years of age and then forged an incredible career. Scores a winning goal in the European Cup final. Uh, truly special people that will be sadly missed by everyone who follows Celtic. I, th- I think you're bang on, Graham. I think the the idea that Stevie Chalmers did all that after having to fight for his life at 20 years old is, is absolutely remarkable. Then went on to become Celtic's fourth highest ever scorer. Um, and Billy McNeil managed the club uh, with, with great distinction. Greatest ever captain. Never, don't think we'll ever see their likes again. And I think what you're alluding to there, Graham, is it's just the kind of camaraderie and the vibe between all of the Lisbon lines that's, that's particularly special. I mean, you must have noticed that yourself, Liam, when, you, when you've seen interviews and stuff like that. It really comes across just that brotherhood that's that's amongst them all. Well, certainly. Um, we kinda still go very much kind of strong kinda all these years later as well. I think, you know, these guys talked about the way they were talking, like you know, the kind of the rest of the Lisbon lines, it's not just you know a former teammate they're losing. Everybody was mm-hmm. saying, "I've I've I've lost my pal. It's my friend." Um, 
So I think you're right, I think you're spot on. Um, there seems to be a kind of a really, really special bond. And, you know, as well there, as well there will be, you know, these bad guys that that, uh, that created history. And, you know, in terms of a, a Scottish team achieving something like that, it's probably never going to happen happen again. Aye, I, I think um, it's, I mean, any team just to do it within that that 30 mile radius thing. Like, I mean, and that's that's only just because of Bobby Lennox. If it wasn't for him, it'd probably be about a 10 mile radius. It's, it's just incredible. And, I mean, for me, I think the one thing that comes across is it's just, it's just sad that, that I mean, I, I'm quite sad personally. I'm obviously too young to have experienced um, the, the great highs of the of the best period in, in Scottish sort of football history for Celtic and obviously Rangers were really powerful in Europe at the time as well. Um, it's, it's sad that we are where we are now, but another thing that's, that's quite nice is the way that the lines always seem to be connected to Celtic, you know, and especially when like, the team were or sort of gone on a European run or anything like that, you could tell they were really along for the ride with it. And just with the, the, the past and more and more of them now, it's just it's just sad that that connection to the past, that maybe that door's closing a wee bit. Uh, I think I think that's a, a, a great point, but these guys are immortal in Celtic's history. Exactly. So, and you can even see Bertie Old is the ultimate Celtic character, really, uh, who can mix comedy with... Pointing to these events, you know, he's got a great way, and uh, obviously Billy Neil was his great friend, and there's some lovely, lovely moments. Um, on Saturday, uh, was in lines in attendance, and with the same as well with Stevie Chalmers passing. These guys are they're a band of brothers who experience what very few footballers or anyone in life will ever be able to. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the tributes have been fitting for both men. Yeah, very much so. Now, bringing things on to the current day a wee bit, Billy, I'll try that again, Billy McNeil, maybe I'm getting a bit emotional. Billy McNeil was once quoted as saying that there's a fairy tale aspect about Celtic Football Club, and the truth of that became abundantly clear at the weekend when the goal in the 1-0 win over Kilmarnock was scored by the hoops number five with 67 minutes on the clock. I mean, that was just poetic, beautifully fitting. And Jozo Simunovic was visibly emotional when he was interviewed after the game. And I think that just goes to show how big a part the Lions still are of the club's identity that a player in his mid-twenties for mainland Europe with no emotional connection whatsoever to Celtic before arriving could be so noticeably moved just by the gravitas of the of the whole situation. I mean, surely that says something special about how the Lions are remembered and, and Celtic Football Club in general as, as, as a team and as an institution. Yeah, they're just kind of the lines are they're sort of part of the fabric of the, of the club, and I think every every player that comes in, oh, you know, it's it'd be absolutely impossible for them to to not know about them. And if if they sorry if they didn't before they arrived when they when they do sign, you know, inevitably, you know, it's something they'll hear all about. And it was just I think just above all, it was just a really really nice moment. Like mm-hmm. as you said, Shumanovic, she looked very emotional. After he scored the goal, and then speaking afterwards, and then just you know that kind of, kind of the poetic nature of it, Billy McNeil's family there in attendance, um, you know, and kind of another step closer to the the league title as well. So it was just that it was just a lovely, like a lovely, lovely moment. And it's like, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but everybody's oh, you can write that, and probably. You know, just nobody saw that coming, did they? It was. It'd be a bit far fetched in a Hollywood script, I thought. Ah, you'd be, you'd be. That's a wee bit. Uh, but there you go. It was, it was a really, really nice moment. It was, and obviously getting the win was 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 important and a, a good way to pay tribute as well. 
I mean, just when it, when it comes to that, again, it was a wee bit of a struggle for Celtic to find the, the, the cutting edge and the, the breakthrough they needed. Now, Michael Gannon suggested on this here podcast last week that it's par for the course that Celtic tend to run out of steam a wee bit at this part of the season. But, see, if you think about this essentially as an extended addition for Lenny to get the job, and given the fact that a few noises have been made about a lack of goals, a lack of attacking verve and quality since he's come in, are people right to be a bit concerned by the lack of threat, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. The lack of goals are a problem. That's abundantly clear and there's a lot of factors there uh, points well made in the past that it's been a tough run of fixtures of course it has and that bleeds straight into the split as well Scottish Cup quarter-final semi-final but there's definitely something not quite there as well that's clear to everyone who's been watching Celtic regularly uh, you can't put your finger on it exactly but there's at times a lot of Brendan Rod Brendan Rodgers is Celtic's biggest strength was the ability to a lot of it was passing but that would wear teams down Celtic Currently under Lennon, they don't be seem they don't seem able to grind teams down and then come on really strong at the end of the game. Second half mm. was more of a problem, but it was the reverse at the weekend. They were poor in the first half, uh, sloppy at the back. Uh, Commander had a good couple of chances. Brophy was very dangerous uh, throughout. Caused both. It was in the gap between Simunovic and Izagiri who was finding a lot of space. Uh, so either people are right to maybe question the football but as Neil Lennon said after the game he's he's still trying to follow the Brendan Rodgers blueprint Aye, I mean that's that's quite a fascinating thing, uh, people have been saying the style's changed, this that he hit back right at that, he said even though people are saying that the attacking intent has gone since Rodgers departed, as you say, sticking to the blueprint, but if that's the case where have the goals gone? I don't. I think Lennon, you know, he's saying he's not he's not changed anything. But I mean, the, the, you can see it as Graham says, like the Celtic, they would pass teams to death under Brendan Rodgers. It'd just be, you know, it'd get to even if they weren't quite firing all cylinders, it got to the stage where teams have been kind of almost like chasing the ball for I don't know, the best part of an hour, and that wears you down. Aye, you know, you start feeling it start feeling it in your legs and then that's when the gaps open up. I think they're not quite doing that. They're, they're, I mean, it's, it, the thing I certainly noticed in the, the, the game at Easter Road, there's a lot more getting the, getting the ball into the box earlier. Uh, things like that stuff you didn't really see under under Brendan Rodgers. And it's just as if they're kind of... It's as if they're, a, they're somewhere in the middle of maybe mm. perhaps how Lennon would like them to play. and But still the kind of remnants of you know, Brendan Rodgers' influence. So it, it's it's as if they don't really quite have a clear style at the moment. And it, it, you can see it. And get, I think the, the I think some of the games they've been winning, it's it's just they've they've won it through... Uh, well, I certainly felt just by, like, a player, a top-quality player, having a really good sort of moment in the game. Aye. Uh-huh, that they're not kind of that... Sort of system, almost under Brendan Rodgers, it was kind of it was all very um, deliberate. They're just winning games. This might not make sense, but they're winning games just on the virtue that they have better players. Aye, there's, no, not, uh, there's not a system there that's 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 blowing teams away, that's beating teams. Um, and so it's it's and Lennon's in a, an awkward position though. He's he's there really to get them over the line, but he's not. You know, he's not a guy who's going to. Why um, he's in as a kind of janitor, and I think 
I mean, what he said is, and he's quite right, they won every trophy in front of them under Brendan Rodgers. Why would I change it? But if you're trying to employ... But some, he is changing it, that's the thing. There's, I, there's pro- it's and, subtle changes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think the argument, everyone can see, Celtic are more direct, uh, taking the ball out for the back. There's, they still, being still comfortable with the ball at his feet, but under Rodgers, it was happy to go back and forward, back and forward. And you could see at the weekend, Lustig, sloppy, uh, tearing his hair out as easy as he was switched off for a minute. And an obvious pass. It was that was the kind of thing that wouldn't happen under Brendan Rodgers. But it's very easy to kind of paint this perfect picture under Rodgers. First season was incredible. The last eighteen months it was problems. But what Rodgers was able to do was Edward, uh, for instance, last season was able to come in, give Celtic a jolt. Ryan Christie, the development of him. Lennon needs that. He needs his own. Maybe, and I think a lot of people thought that might have been Timo Weir, uh, who wasn't in the squad at the weekend. Just something to just change the narrative slightly, just right. to give Celtic an extra push. Uh, over the last couple of games this season. Is there an argument to say, though, that Lennon should maybe just let, sort of fling the Brendan Rodgers plan out a wee bit and try and implement his own style just to prove that he is worthy of getting the job and doing it his own way? I think there's only so many ways you can skin a cat as well. They're not... Eight or nine of the players and trend starters on the team. They've got a very... They've worked under Rodgers for a long time. There's only so many ways you can change. It's not as if he's going to be reinventing the wheel moving forward, but there are certain things. Edward, he's... he's He's limited with the fact Edward's got a lot of qualities, but he's not the most physical striker. So you can only do so many things to help around. Tom Rogic is back in the starting lineup, but he's still not quite there yet either. Sinclair returned at the weekend, he's a bit more direct than Hayes. But there's only so many things, and as I say, way I was out the squad, there's still Lennon. I think Lennon knows what he needs to do. He needs to get Celtic more shots in games, more attempts, a bit quicker in the final third. But sometimes it's easier said than done. Chris Sutton's been very critical, and you can understand, given the kind of striker he was, he said, Wait, when was the last time Celtic scored for a header, for a cross, for a striker? Now, granted, Joso Simunovic scored with a header, for a cross, <laughs> right? But it, it does seem that, I mean, I don't know if it's just the style of football, generally, not, not just Celtic, has, has changed to, to a more sort of passing kind of approach um, from the days of Martin O'Neill and sort of lumping the ball in the box and, and winning headers, setting balls, whatever. Um, but does Sutton have a point that Celtic need to, to try and, and devise, I wouldn't call it a plan B, but but just have that different option, that different part of their armoury, because is, is there an argument that's a wee bit one-dimensional, the way, the way they try to go about it? Uh, I suppose, I mean, you, you could say that, but I think he's, I think it again comes down to um, options and sort of personnel. I mean, they're they're very reliant on Edward at the moment, and you know I think Lennon's he's actually said it himself. And there's times where I've wanted to go with two strikers, but he can't. Uh, mm. So he's missing that sort of different option. That option would obviously be Lee Griffiths, and you know you, we don't. You know, there's a suggestion that he might f- feature before the end of the season. Um, so he is Lennon. I think uh, to be fair to him, he is limited in that respect um but i do agree that they do look a wee bit one-dimensional at times there's coming back to i could just sorry to repeat myself but it's that they're almost kind of in between styles i find mm-hmm. um there's not it's not quite defined the way it was under brendan rogers and probably not quite as defined as lennon would like it to be um so yeah i mean i think they could do with a sort of plan b um but it, it's again that does come down to personnel, I feel, and I don't think 
Uh, Oliver Burke, you know, he seems to have fallen right out of the picture now. I don't know. It looks like Lennon doesn't fancy him. Obviously, I don't think he fancies Weir either. Um, so, you know, there's... I wonder how much of that is down to the fact that they are both probably off ski at the end of the season. They were very much just sort of like short term fixes. See Liam's comment about sort of being in between styles. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's fair. There's, there's, there's issues in terms of the style for Celtic. It's not going to differ greatly. So as you pointed out, Martin O'Neill's team were a bit direct, but they could play football as well. So for Lenny, he's got guys like Scott Brown. It's like muscle memory for Brown and McGregor in the midfield. They've got a way of playing. That's that's been because of Brendan Rodgers. It's so training ground based and working repetition all the time. You can't just rip that script up. And as Lennon said, he's not. But there's there is signs as well. Lustig, without Tierney in the team, you've got Isaac and Lustig. Neither are the dynamic fullbacks when Tierney's in the team. Uh, there's there's certain things less passing for the back as well. So yeah, I think they are. I think it definitely could be honed and. But that will come in the summer as well. It's got it's going to be a big change in the summer. New players coming in, straight into Champions League qualifiers. So if Lennon is the man who, and it looks likely he will be the man to obviously get the job, he's, he's definitely the the front runner for that. So he'll have time to really stamp his authority in the summer. Certain betting company did email me yesterday saying that uh, Jose Mourinho odds have shortened uh, oh, really? coming to Celtic. I reckon I that's a load of nonsense, but uh, until we report otherwise, I, I, I think we'll just part that one to the, consign that one to the bin for the time being. Um, now, credit where credit's due, Jozo Simunovic said it was the manager's kind of McNeil-inspired dressing room speech which helped the hoops to the three points, and they were noticeably better after the break as well, with the boss making a, a few subtle tactical alterations maybe at the break. Have to flip this over a wee bit now. We've been talking about a lack of goals going forward. The flip side of this is that Celtic have conceded only three goals in 19 domestic matches in the calendar year. That's ridiculously good. Now, Benkovic and Boyata were seen as very much the kind of first choice partnership. They're obviously off ski, unless something very strange or dramatic happens. Is there reason to be hopeful that Chris Ayer and Simunovic can build an effective and long-term lasting partnership at the back for the hoops? Yes, I think there's Ayer in particular. He just this is just you get this sometimes in football where players it just it snowballs like just it's been fantastic. He's just grown in stature every game. He's a leader mm-hmm. again at the weekend. He loves a uh, celebration tackle that he's bringing into the game. So <laughs> he managed to catch uh, catch up with Brophy. Uh, was able to slide in, ball uh, ricocheted out for a corner, and he really the fans really get behind it as well. This is a guy of real potential. He's emerging as it goes on. He's a leader as well. That's the great thing. Twenty one years of age, Aye. and he's marshalling the back line, mm-hmm. keeping everyone right. Uh, he's the first one when Lustig made that error at the start of the second half. Uh, ben made a fantastic save. He's the one who's you know in, uh, lighting a fire under his teammates and Simunovic who now seems to be following suit with Ayer, this running out for the back and taking the ball forward, that's a new, he had a wrinkle in his style of play, which is quite interesting to watch. Uh, but the, I don't think there's ever been doubts that Simunic is playing and he's confident he's a good defender. But the worry is injuries, it's been something that's played his career for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but as a partnership, if those two are fit at the start of the summer, and everyone obviously Celtic would love to reinforce their back line, especially with Benkovic heading back to Leicester. Boy, yeah, it's got to be a free agent, it's got to find a new club. But... It, I think you could do worse than that as a partnership heading into oh. these early qualifiers. It might not need to rush to get that 
marquee centre back to take Celtic forward? No, it's more a question of depth, maybe. Yeah, I, I think the you know there's certainly the potential there. I mean, you can the, obviously numbers uh, speaking for themselves, but it's kind of Graham touched on it. It's the problem with Samunovic is just can you rely on him to to stay fit? Aye, do you know it's it's been kind of a feature of his, his career at Celtic. Um, seems to maybe get a wee run in the team and then. Uh, kind of breaks down. So I mean, but I think it's a real, it's an opportunity for him now. Really, I mean, if he can, he's he's never, he's always, he's always sometimes really kind of looked like the that he could be the answer for Celtic at the back mm-hmm. at times. And then, as I said, he's had those injury problems. But you know, with Benkovic going back to Leicester, Boyata, um, Ofsky as well, um, it's a chance for him. Uh, you know, because I'm sure they will, you know, look to bring in. Uh, a centre back in the summer, but you know, alongside Ayer, it's a chance for him to really sort of nail that that, that position down. Um, and I think the other the other bit of it is Ayer does seem to be the one that you look at now, who's very much like it's, it's someone with him. Like a hundred percent. I mean, his body language. He's got a different body type, but his body language reminds me of Virgil Van Dijk when he came to Celtic. It's the way he's sort of he's confident and he's it's almost like a, a kind of outgoing sort of style. Um, and I, I mean, I think Chris Ayers, I think there's a really good player there. Um, next thing I want to touch on, lads, uh, somebody at this table spent a good portion of their morning working out how many penalty kicks each Premiership side had been awarded this season, which is not as easy as it sounds, by the way, with the league split and all and various websites that you have to check. By the way, you can view the finished piece on the Record Sport website if you wish. Um we don't normally mention the neighbours from across the city in this podcast, but Rangers, after a James Tavernier spot kick double against Aberdeen, made it 13 Premiership penalties for the Ibrox side this season. In contrast, Celtic have only won six. That's less than half the number of Steven Gerrard's side. Quick maths there, huh? Um, Aberdeen are next closest to Rangers with nine, and Livingston have been given the fewest. They've got just two spot kicks awarded to them this season. Now, avoiding any of the usual accusations of bias and such from referees, always an easy trap to fall into in Scottish football, um, is there anything we can extrapolate from those stats and, and the contrast between Celtic and Rangers numbers in particular? Yeah, I think so. I think it ties in a bit about the, the style of play as well in this passing around the box and moving side to side. Uh, Celtic don't often get the ball in the box. Mm. In the way they should really, I think that's an issue. Like in Edward, the type of striker he is as well. He's not one for rolling defenders. He likes to get them one on one turning, but he's not. Even when Tierney or some of the fullbacks are picking the ball up as well, it's often outside the box. So I think there's definitely some credence in the fact um, that Celtic aren't getting the ball in the box enough, and that's why they're maybe a lot, lot middle of the table in this particular start anyway. Mm. Oh, like one of the, 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 how many did Rangers have again? Sorry, Rangers had thirteen. Thirteen, but four of those were in the one game, weren't they? Yes. Was that I, I, Was it four of that that yeah, game? Yeah, at home. So that, I mean, that's a bit of a, of a an anomaly. Um, but I think, as you said, from a Celtic perspective, I think, I think Graham's sort of nailed it. There's, um, they're not have well, they haven't been a sort of get the ball in and around the box team. Um, as he said, it's all kind of outside. Mm-hmm. Side to side, down the flanks. So it's, I mean, do you know what I mean? Maybe if they they do become a bit more direct under, if it is to be Neil Lennon, you might see those numbers change. But I think it's it's more, it's like Graham said, it's perhaps more to do with the the style of play rather than anything else. Mm. 
So it comes back to that kind of debate of should Lenny, like he's kind of stuck in limbo, should he actually rather stick or twist, you know? Like, is there a decision to be made there? Because I think the, the, the kind of key takeaway I've got from what we've, we've been discussing today is the idea that Celtic are in that kind of strange limbo between styles. So you wonder, I mean, could Lenny regret if, sort of, I don't know, if Hearts win the Scottish Cup final or whatever, um, could he regret not maybe being a bit more assertive at this point. And even looking forward to next season, if he does get the job, the treble treble happens, is there an argument to say as well that he's almost maybe a bit behind the curve that, of where he could be? So he could, he could be further along in implementing his style with this current squad of players, albeit there's going to be a bit of a rebuild. Could he be further along in terms of doing it his own way? I'm not sure he can. That is, no. It's... It's a really coming coming in at the time that he did, um, more than halfway through the season, taking over a team that have been drilled day in day out on a certain way of playing. Um, he, he can't just sort of rip that up overnight. I think you can see. I mean, he might tell you otherwise, but you can see some of the things that he is he is doing. But I, I think he would be. He's kind of. <laughs> he's getting, you know, criticism for the, you know, f- for the performances and some of them not maybe not being quite up to scratch. But I think if he came in and he he just totally ripped up the script <laughs> and tried to do his own thing from day one, I feel like he would he would probably get he would probably the get criticised for thing. that as well. That as regards the fullbacks are huge. Kieran Tierney is so important, and mm. and he's not been going at full tilt since before I'd say since before Lennon got here and mm. with Lennon the first time around as well Lustig was a different player he was more dynamic he's a Gary as well Aye. so the the two starting fullbacks at the weekend are players that are well known to Lennon brought to the club but uh, they're pay limitations of the players exactly, that were previously yeah. so and Adam Matthews was another one who thrived under Lennon spoke about it before in about how he was able to use him against Barcelona. So that's something as well. And Jeremy Tolian came in in January, big things were expected. But he's just a right-sided version of Edson Braffite. There's not... <laughs> that's what he is. You know, and he's just a bit meek and he'll be good in a, bit, a league that's a bit more sedate. It's not as rough and tumble as Scottish football because he got a rude awakening when he was playing at Tynecastle. <laughs> and that as well, it's a, a counter-argument. he existed. You know exactly. It's a counter-argument as well. He like, doesn't mean Lennon's not some 1980s style just knock it into the box or some... Subtlety the way he likes to play his football. It's not going to be a case of buying Nick Piazza in the summer and they're yeah. going to become a batter. I mean, his hips team were great. Yeah, to watch it exactly. Too. You need to remember as well for a guy like Neil Lennon, he, he was able to go toe to toe with Brendan Rodgers quite comfortably. No one in Scottish football was able to, I think, nullify what Brendan Rodgers' team was able to do. So this isn't a guy that's behind the times tactically. He knows what he's about. It's just the fact. You're in an impossible situation. Brendan Rodgers is one of the most successful managers in Scottish football history. Didn't put a foot wrong domestically. Seven trophies out of seven. It's so difficult to come in and maybe say to guys like Cal McGregor, right, well, you were, you were playing so well under Rodgers, I'm going to change your game or I'm going to... That, that might come. There might be things that Lennon feels that can take McGregor or Tierney or whoever to the next level, but not in the midst of a treble-treble push with a lot in the line and you're trying to make sure you get every trophy available as Lennon obviously wants to continue in the job long term aye so what in the line you know? yeah. it's, a, it's a very good point to be fair um, also Jeremy Tolian as a right sided Edson Braffite is one of the shouts of the year in the Daily Record Celtic podcast I have to say um, right last order of business today gentlemen is the, the Celtic Awards 
Um, just want to get your opinion on whether the winners of the respective accolades were deserved. So, first leg goal of the season uh, went to Bruni's rip snorter against St. Johnson in the Scottish Cup. Correct decisions? Any other honourable mentions? Yeah, I love that goal. Uh, but there was an Edward, the free kick against Motherwell. I know it's a dead ball, uh, but it was really, really good. It was one of these, it reminded me of uh, the Juninho used to play for Leo in the way he was able to get it up and down. It was, it was top quality. Juninho Pernambucano, what a player. Yeah, I don't think you can really argue with this goal. But I, I, I maybe Jenkins just because it was Bruni, though. I was literally just about to say that. I think if somebody else had scored that, I'm not sure it would have got. Uh, goal of the season I mean not, that's not taking anything away from it it was a screamer um, but I think the fact that it's, it's Scott Brown and he's not you know he's he's not really known for that kind of thing um, nah, Forrest's goal his, against Aberdeen latter years another Forrest uh-huh. against Aberdeen was nah, a, it was a good goal as well yeah. Ed, I thought Edward's goal against Aberdeen at Pataudry yes was sort of dink yes that was, that was composure personified that was a great goal as well but I think Brown's was I think that was destined to win it Excellent. Right, Academy Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. They're separate awards, by the way, which um, was news to me. Um, with Mikey Johnson taking the former, the Academy Player of the Year, even though he's been writing about the first team at certain spells of the season. And Chris Ayer, the latter. Both deserved? I think so. I think for Johnson, I think the point this Academy Award, guys, has been in around the Academy itself, first and foremost, but also that added extra playing for the first team. Brendan Rodgers liked what he was about, really good feet, do you know what I mean? But he's got a chance now, it's an important time, he's 18, 19 to try and take his game on a level, and Ayers, the ultimate, it's just a stick on, do you know what I mean? He's had a brilliant Aye. season when he's played, fully deserved, and I'm sure he'll be in the mix for the uh, senior player next season. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, yeah if, he keep, if he keeps if he keeps going in his current trajectory, I'd say he'll be, he'd be right up there next season. Ah, it's one of them, like, I mean, young player of the year, and obviously his age very much justifies it, but it's almost like he's been around that long that it seems seems almost like a kind of erroneous thing that he's he's in the mix for young. Not as bad as uh, Raheem Sterling, who won Manchester City <laughs> twenty four years of age, fifty caps for England. Also, yeah. honourable mention to Virgil Van Dijk for proving that um, if you get a grounding in Scotland, you can go and boss it in the Premier League. Know, Scottish, bad, fo- is he? Scottish football so bad, your granny and all that could play in it, but Van Dijk couldn't win the award here, but it's been able to win it in England. So, do you see that stat recently about the amount of players that have uh, gone to the English Championship? They've struggled to score goals in Scotland and then um, they've gone down there and hit barrel loads Pukki and Wycom springing immediately to mind it's a tough league yeah. it really is it's really difficult the pace of it catches a lot of players out yeah. and, and, and players I think as well sometimes struggle with the size of the club perhaps at, mm. at Celtic and Rangers I think there was certainly um, a bit of suggestion that Pukki perhaps he didn't quite get to grips with that Um you are talking to a Norwich City fan, so I'll I tell you that that's quite I, a big club I, as well. <laughs> no, 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 the size uh-huh. of Celtic though. The expectation, nice I family club. The, uh-huh, the yes. expectation at Celtic. Maybe that was, maybe size was the wrong word. <laughs> Sorry, Hodgie. No, it's all right. I'm not. I'm not in any way offended, my friend. Right, both of the senior player of the year awards, uh, the one voted for by the players and the one voted for by the fans. Both went to Callum McGregor. Uh, I was going to ask, is he a deserved recipient? But I don't think there's any doubt that he is. The guy has pushed his game to a level that I now think he's the standout player in Scottish football. I agree with that. I think if you, I would have voted for McGregor, but uh, I probably thought Forrest that might have been his time. It almost seems mm. there's big goals and big games, and uh, he's really been, he's been for Scottish Cup. Those two against Hibs and Aberdeen, two absolute stoters and. 
put Celtic on course for a treble treble but McGregor he's the most unique player to come through in Scottish football in a long long time and I spoke about this before it's his ability to get his head up look for a pass Scottish footballs aren't Scottish footballers aren't made like that so if he came through the ranks and that's what Brendan Rodgers spoke about if he's Italian or Spanish mm. uh, came through the ranks at uh, Celta Vigo or wherever he's just different he's made differently for other Scottish players so it took a couple of years to get him up to the level but his head's in a swivel he's always looking for the right pass he's something really different he could play in Genuinely, you know, talk about players used to say maybe like a Barry Ferguson, I know I shouldn't say this in this podcast, perfect for Italian football or a Paul Lambert. It's similar with McGregor. He's got that style of football that uh, transcends beyond Scottish football. He could play anywhere. Mm. Uh, no, I would agree with that. Um, I know what you mean about Forrest, though, because it's been one of those campaigns where you, kinda, you feel that he's kind of finally knitted all of those wee bits that we spoke about in terms of potential and maybe he lacks an end product and like various criticisms you could lodge at him. It's almost like he's eradicated any of the wee flaws for his game. I think since now. Brendan Rodgers arrived, I think he mm-hmm. took his game to a new level. Yeah. But this year it's it's not... James was, Forrest 2.0? I think I think it was at least 1.5 anyway when Rodgers arrived. If that's now a, a, a new version. But the goals are massive, the goals against Aye. Aberdeen. Yeah. And you can't really discount that. So that's... When Celtic needed Forrest most, he's been able to stand up. That's St John's game. People forget about that as well. The game he scored four yeah, goals. He was a, I'd say he was a front runner at one point. Exactly. Celtic were game. dreadful. Celtic were in such poor form heading into that game. Uh, they looked really the, the, for the first time in Brendan Rodgers' reign. It, things weren't working that day. They were absolutely brilliant. They were able to go on the run. Uh, they put loads past Commander. I think the week after as well. And that changed. So I think Forrest is been a massive part in the way this season's uh, gone for Celtic Yeah, I, I know McGregor's been so important but I think there's a, a real strong case for Forrest and I wouldn't be surprised if Forrest nabs uh, the league player of the year rather than the club as well I think people yeah. have noticed that yeah yeah I, I can definitely see that happening um, I think that's a really good point actually I think McGregor's got a kind of metronomic consistency whereas uh, at the, at the key point in the season as you say Forrest provided that spark when Celtic needed it um, and, and both types of sort of effect are important to a football team at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Right, lads, finally, I think we should finish where we started. Um, it's obviously been a, a heavy week um, for Celtic in, in terms of emotionally, um, and we're just going to pay tribute to the departed heroes once again to, to wrap up the podcast. Um, Billy McNeil and Stevie Chalmers are the latest Lisbon Lions to have passed on. Tommy Gemmell's death was announced in 2017. Well, Jimmy Johnson, Ronnie Simpson and Bobby Murdoch have also departed us. I suppose it just goes to show how the Celtic family should cherish the time we have left with the, the remaining members of that team that are still here. There's definitely a character, as we were alluding to earlier, to, to all of the individuals and, and the brotherhood and camaraderie that we mentioned between them. I think it's something that was unique to that team in its time. Now, admittedly, we are all too young to remember watching the Lions play, but in terms of, of what you have seen in, in interviews and, and documentaries and, and all of the stuff that you you, you can consume, um, what are your abiding memories, gentlemen, of, of McNeil, Chalmers and the rest of that side, would you say? Well, there's quite a lot to mention, there really is. It's, I love the stories when they talk about Lisbon itself, the game. You'd imagine Inter Man with the mm-hmm. ultimate Rolls Royce Team, they all worked a million dollars, and Betty Old tells the story about singing the Celtic song in the tunnel, Aye. and uh, you know, and I think that gallus nature of that team uh, was perfect. You know, there's other teams that could have played that on one side and felt inferior, but Celtic they really believed they were the best team in Europe, and they proved it. 
and for as you, I think we spoke about earlier on there as well. The guys just great value, great stories, and very very few people have that kind of relationship where or something that ties them together like a European Cup success. Mm-hmm. And Chalmers and McNeil are two of the standouts, uh, adored by people who knew them. Uh, it's just a real special team, and it'll, it'll never be replicated. That thing, it's it's got it's immortal, and these pe- these guys who achieves such incredible things for Celtic will be remembered forever. It's just truly humbling and that you hear the stories and people that know them and it's just as it's overwhelming at times how, how much an impact they had on Celtic. I think that's the other thing, Graham, from from what you're saying there. Gallus, good Scottish word. The the nature of that triumph was quintessentially Scottish. It was like yeah, you're going up against the, the juggernaut team that everybody expects to win. Um, they all look like models. I think was one of the quotes about them. Let's are all just looking brilliant, and then you've got Celtic rolling up with the sleeves up and in the tunnel. And obviously, everybody's maybe a bit nervous, whatever. So you sing the Celtic song, and then I mean, what what, what are these Italians thinking of that? You know, it's it's just it's it's remarkable. And then obviously falling behind uh, to a team that specialised in the in the Catenaccio football style of getting a goal ahead, and then just staying in front no conceding anything, and then managing to overcome that way with real attacking gusto. It's just that, that as you said, Graham, it's, it's quite humbling. Uh, anything to add? Oh, no, it's just, I think, um, as you say, it's not you know something any of us here. Uh, it's not a team that we got to see play, but I just think to you still get the kind of, the magnitude of what these this team meant to people. Yeah. I think, like, you don't really get many you know, players, I think with Billy McNeil especially, you saw it, he kind of sort of, as, as, as huge as he was for Celtic, he kind of transcended that as well, because it was just, it wasn't just, you know, Celtic in morning last week, it was the whole of Scottish football, so, you know, even though, you know, we weren't around to, you know, see these guys play and kind of see them in their, in their, in their pomp, that you kind of, you still got the, certainly the, the impression of what they, what they meant to people and obviously what they, they mean to the club and it's just a, an achievement I don't think it's like you say it's not going to happen again like in terms of not and not just like the, the winning of the European Cup but as you say the nature of that team you know the kind of the whole brotherhood aspect of it it's just not I mean a top side in Europe you're not going to see that these days no. you really are it's a completely it's a completely different generation a completely different game mm. so it's it's just unique in, in so many ways I think that's the thing as well. It's that generation, isn't it? We're not going to see that again. And uh, aye, well, that's all from us this week. It's obviously it's a it's a very emotional week, but we'll be back next week. Maybe I mean, we're hoping we're a bit more of a sort of standard and and perhaps more upbeat podcast. Um, don't forget to subscribe to iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Hail, hail everyone, and rest in peace, Billy McNeil and Stevie Charles. Thank you for all that you've given us.